Hello and welcome to another podcast from JLL, which is exploring insights around the world of life sciences. I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Skinner and Richard Hughes from Bicycle Therapeutics, where we're going to delve a little bit more into their business, what they've been up to and what the what lies ahead for this exciting company. So welcome, Michael and Richard. How are you today? Good, thanks. Yes, very well. Thank you. Good, good. Well, thanks very much for joining me. Um, very exciting business that the two of you and others have grown over over the years. So really keen to get stuck into firstly who you are, what you're and what you're up to, and then we'll go from there if that's okay. So maybe I can start. So uh, hello everyone. Uh, I, my name is Michael Skinner. Uh, I've been with Bicycle Therapeutics since 2016, where I took on the operations role for many years, becoming chief operating officer. Uh, and in January, I had a change of title. I'm now the chief technology officer. And I'm Richard Hughes. I'm the VP of IT Informatics and Facilities at Bicycle Therapeutics. I've been at Bicycle for two years and before that been involved in the biotech and tech sector in Cambridge for the last 20 years. Okay. And Michael, tell us a bit more about who Bicycle Therapeutics are and what you're doing. So Bicycle Therapeutics is a drug discovery biotech company or a biopharm company, as we like to call ourselves now. We're, we're based on a very unique technology that only we possess, which is a, a, a type of drug called a bicycle, uh, so named because it forms two cycles, a bicyclic uh, peptide. Uh, so really our business is about finding novel future medicines for the treatment of oncology uh, and other diseases which have significant healthcare burden. Okay. And currently the business, uh, Richard, you're based, you're based in Cambridge. Uh, you're continuing to expand um, in that market. What makes Cambridge so interesting for you as a, from a location perspective? Well, I think there's very few places in the UK which manages to condense so much uh, talent and science and uh, exposure in, in one place. I think, you know, the Cambridge and that kind of Oxford corridor are, are truly unique. You've been able to tap into such a wide variety of people, you know, the university, the the uh, the science parks, you know, it is a, a wonderful wealth of of opportunity for, for any kind of company, whether you're a startup or, or someone that's much more established like ourselves. And you mentioned that you've been sort of working in the in the area for twenty plus years. I mean, obviously, there's been a fair bit of change in the market over the past twenty years in, in Cambridge. What have you seen, sort of, um, firsthand? How, how's that? How's that change come about in terms of the types of companies or the type of space that's being delivered? You know, everything's just got bigger, right? You know, the the all the science parks have swelled over twenty years, and I think there's still an element of being ever so slightly behind the curve. So, you know, if you're a company that just requires office space, you know, that, that's easily provided uh, in, in this area. But I think if you want something a little bit more, if you want something more bespoke around laboratory space, certainly if you want any more chemistry space, you know, where you need the, the, the air handling requirements of that, Cambridge has been a little bit behind the curve in that. And it, you, you've got a lot of companies that are either starting up or, or scaling up that have really struggled to find that additional space when they need it. 
And where we are currently in Babraham, you know, that's a nice incubator site for, for companies that are starting. But when you get beyond this size, so we're looking, you know, headcounts of 100 plus, trying to scale your business beyond these areas is quite difficult. And, you know, they're, they're slowly starting to address it, but it is slow. And it has been the same problem over the last 20 years where there's never quite enough laboratory space for, for companies like ours that, that want to scale up. I agree. And we've also seen that at JLL. I think the, the space um, and supply uh, need is certainly really clear to see at the moment. There is such a lack of space available for these growing companies. But hopefully, as you said, Richard, it's more is coming um, and that, that will help cater to some of the demand. Michael, from your perspective, when we you're thinking about um, a business location, some of the things that Richard talks about around the strength of Cambridge as a destination um, are really clear to see is the first thing that that you look for as a business is it around um the type of physical real estate is it around the adjacencies or is it what we what we believe is is the top of your agenda all around talent i think to 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 misquote tony blair it's it's sort of location 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 uh to pick up on what rich was saying uh <clears throat> you know the company was born in cambridge it, it came out of the uh, LMB, which is uh, on the Addenbrook site. And so our history and our roots are deep into Cambridge. We have many, many collaborations still with the LMB and other researchers uh, in Cambridge itself. Of course, our workforce is located around Cambridge. And so you know, for us, we, when we look at a location, it's really around now how that reflects the prestige of the company, uh, but also to keep our, our talent with the company, we're clearly not going to move to a, a place where we might lose that valuable, uh, you know, human resource that, that really drives the company forward. Yeah, makes sense. And sort of the key criteria for you in terms of what drives those um, decisions as a business around where you locate, has that changed over time? Or has it been quite consistent for you? No, it certainly has. I mean, what you find looking at the Cambridge real estate sector is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, different science parks cater for companies at different stages of their evolution. So, you know, for example, uh, uh, Babraham was set up. I mean, I, I actually was working for a company 20 years ago that was the lead tenant in the first building to be put up on the, on the, on the Babraham Science Park. Um, and I've seen it evolve over the last 20 years. But the agreement of Babraham was really BBSRC driven to foster innovation and the creation of early companies and biotechs and to allow them to grow to a certain size. In fact, I think, I believe their charter also uh, uh, forbids large pharma companies coming on site. So it caters for companies at that sort of early embryonic stage. And I think when we were here, uh, we had flexible space, one of the few science parks that offers that, that flexibility to young companies. As we've evolved the company, we then moved to sort of grow on space uh, across the Babram Science Park. And now we're looking to move, or we are moving to Granter, which is a very different type of science park, really catering for the more mature companies, the larger pharma companies, companies with a big ambition to, to then become, uh, if I can put it this way, grown up pharmaceutical companies in their own standalone uh, way. That's, that, that's really how we've looked at uh, the real estate over the company history. Really interesting. And that sort of the evolution of your own company in terms of growth and size, 
from the data we're looking at as at JLL, we can see how that demand profile from companies similar to yours has changed. And as the Cambridge market has matured, there are more companies like you that are needing more space and more space where they sort of they're standing more on their own two feet, I suppose, and, and moving away from that type of environment where they might need more hand-holding business support engagement with like-minded businesses because their overall R&D and business is maturing and therefore their real estate needs are doing that at the same time. Um, so that's really interesting about the, the criteria. That's a you know, reason why I ask is it's a very common question we'll get asked from investors that are looking to provide space. And we, you know, Richard, you were touching on the the space uh, demand supply imbalance um, a bit earlier, but perhaps we could just actually look at the type of physical real estate, the type of buildings and assets that companies like yourself need. Um, we quite commonly, again, will talk to clients, both on the occupier and the investor side about the need for flexibility um, within within a space. How have you, in terms of as your company has evolved and go, gone through those growth cycles, Richard, have you found that the type of physical space that you've needed has also changed? Has your ask from the real estate community changed as you've grown? Yeah, I think I think there's, there's an element of our requirements have changed, but also our ability to provide a um, bespoke workplace for our staff as well. So, you know, as, as we mature as a company, we get the ability to secure better finances and we can ensure that we attract the talent of bringing in all these threads that we've talked about already. You know, the the how we differentiate ourselves as a business now is around how we kit out our offices, right? If we've, we've come through a unprecedented time in, uh, you know, most people's memories from having to work from home and, you know, completely change the dynamic of working. So what we're trying to do now with our new premises is provide a workplace that brings the best elements of working from home, but also the benefits of working from an office as well. And as part of our post-pandemic uh, readiness, we invited the staff through a series of questionnaires about how they would like to work in the future, how they would like to see their work environment mature. So as part of that, I wrote up and condensed all this information into a manifesto. So when we came to fit out our new premises on Granter, we provided this manifesto to the companies we were we were talking to around fitting out this business so and space. So I think that that's what we're trying to differentiate ourselves, how we are trying to filter and you know take feedback from our staff and make our our premises something unique for them and you know reflects their requirements in this new new era i guess of of hybrid working it's really interesting and we we do a lot of research with um occupier clients around the future of the workplace and there's no doubt that covid i think across multiple different sectors and it sounds like the life science biotech industry is exactly the same from what you just described richard there's a huge focus around employee experience health and well-being making the workplace as attractive as possible for people to to be in. 
And as you said, trying to make it an extension from home and to some extent, people want to be working in engaging environments. And I think perhaps if we're being really honest, some of the some of the science park provision up and down the UK hasn't really been delivering and, and focusing on, on the amenity side. So um, really interesting to hear you say that. And are you doing also quite a lot of work with your staff around um engagement outside of the four walls that you're that you're leasing so sort of engaging with the wider community networking events um is that also a big part of how you connect in your employees to a to a new location or an existing ecosystem yeah i think you know as part of you know it's going to build into it right and and as we adapt and uh occupy our new facilities we can look into that there's some nice little elements I was just looking at my diary before we came on the call and we've got some rounders matches. So there's an inter-company uh, rounders competition on Rounder Park, which as a new new company entering the park, we've been invited to. So we've got some lunchtime set up where on the on the playing pitch in the in the middle of the park, we get that's great pitch our rounders capability against some other companies. <laughs> so you know, there's an element of that, and you know in a more corporate sense, I guess, having a highly kitted out, highly specced office space allows us to entertain people. And, you know, some components of our design have been strategically put in place around that, where we, we want to show off some of our wares, so to speak, and some of our capabilities to, to visitors in, in a very you know, high tech, high value surroundings. Makes sense. And maybe it touches on, Michael, what you were saying earlier around prestige and the fact that as your your business is growing and you're looking to engage with industry stakeholders, that's part, that's part of the offer, isn't it? You want it to be engaging and welcoming to employees, but you also want to be creating very or presenting very strong space um, and well thought through space. And I think as companies evolve, you know, you want your facilities to address different needs uh, as the company grows up. So, you know, if I reflect, um, <clears throat> our first um, premises on Baberum were about 4,000 square feet and very modular. It didn't uh, drive for engagement. We had people separated in, in silos and little units. So communication in the company was difficult. We didn't really have a prestigious front entrance. We had shared lobbies, shared facilities. And it reflected the company at that time, which was asking the question, Will the technology work? You know, can we actually commercialize and get money and get a get a toehold as a company in this vast sector? And then, you know, as we've moved to our current facility, that reflected our move from a VC funded company to then becoming a, a listed company on NASDAQ. Uh, so we could afford a bit more space. Again, showing a public face that was a bit more corporate. Uh, and through the pandemic, that's really served us well as well, being able to uh, internalize some of that that home uh, um, experience on site. So through the pandemic, we, we changed the way we worked and we learned a lot from doing that. So, you know, we, we brought um, PT sessions on site because we couldn't uh, go in, into gyms through the pandemic. I began to bring my dog on site, as did many other employees. So bringing some of those home comforts back on, uh, into the workplace so less working from home, more home at work is the way I, I view it. And I think now going into the portway, uh, it's another evolution again. And, uh, you know, as Richard has been saying, 
Part of this is to celebrate the success of the company. You know, within the site, we've got hero walls for our people, hero walls for the molecules, hero walls for, for the work and the, and the clinical molecules that we're progressing you know, successfully in the clinic so far. But equally, we want to give back to people. And we've designed the building in a way where those things we learned through the pandemic, we've put in place a small gym on site. We've put inside a small games room where people can socialize. But equally, it's a place where we can we can show off, to be frank, to, to other companies that come and see us. So we do want to show that we've been successful and we do want to, to, to brag a bit about our success, both for the benefit of the company, but also, I think, to get a sense of esprit de corps from the, from the employees. That's great. And, you, you know, when you were taking that first space or sort of in the early days around the 4,000 square feet, um, I assume at that stage you were taking fully fitted, ready to go type space. And I think, I believe at Portway, it's pretty close. You know, you're also walking into space, albeit with your own fit out around it. Um, but the, where I'm going with this is, as as your company has grown, do you feel that you'll probably, when you get to a certain size, you'll move away from needing more of like a, a fully fitted rounded solution and you'll probably go into, get to a size where you might need to take a shell type space and really go from scratch because you're doing more something that's more specific to your needs. I think in the sector, <clears throat> it, it's very challenging for companies to take you know, shell and core because most companies in, in, in life science uh, uh, don't make it their way quickly to NASDAQ or to a listed uh, situation. So you're venture funded. It's challenging then to sign long-term lease or to commit to a, a big conversion of a, of a building to your specific needs. So early on, what you need to your, to your question is really that, that pre-fitted generic space that you can modify and adapt to your needs. I mean, and every company has a slightly different spec that they need, but generally most companies in this sector will need office space, they need meeting space, and they need biology space. Some also need chemistry space, and that's something that's uh, particular to us and, and a few other companies. I think moving into the portway, uh, we had a generic fit, but we we're in a situation where we wanted the building to really work for us. And so, although that was a fairly good generic fit, we actually then spent the next four weeks taking a lot of that generic fit out and making it fit for purpose for our bespoke design. I, I think that's that's a situation that's probably more particular to companies that have the luxury of, of long-term funding accessible through the commercial markets and less so to the venture com venture-funded companies that are early stage. Yeah, makes sense. And I think a lot of the companies or a lot of the um, leasing activity we're seeing from a real estate perspective has been for fitted space. And that, I think that reflects the nature of the bus businesses that are in Cambridge and Oxford in particular and where they are in their growth journey. So that's it's really insightful to hear your views on that. Um, perhaps moving on to um, a focus around the, the supply demand um, and what, how that's happening in in Cambridge and generally across the Golden Triangle. We don't think there is any purpose-built lab space being delivered in the Golden Triangle today, which is in the near term not not a great um, not a great stat um, for those businesses that are looking for space. But as Richard, what you were touching on earlier, I think the real estate community is alive to the issue and is and is looking to bring forward much needed space, which is good. But it's clearly a challenge. 
Do you think, um, and Richard or Michael, um, happy for either of you to pick this up, or you may have different views, but do you think there are any other sort of major challenges that are facing the biotech industry at the moment in the UK? Um, the, the demand supply thing feels a bit short term, hopefully, but interested to see what your views are on the front line. I think the, the, the challenge in the real estate side, we've spoken about it already, is that supply always lags demand. So as soon as a new building <clears throat> starts to sink foundations, there's a queue out the door to take the space. And so you've got to be very agile as a company to find and secure the space that you need. And I think that's still going to go on for the, the medium term, and maybe even the longer term, because planning restrictions and planning time mean that it, it takes a while to get some of these, these things in, in place. I think also <clears throat> the sector has been slow, perhaps, to embrace some of the, the models that you see over in other life science hubs like Boston, where you know, if you look at the Cambridge sector, there's very much a, a university in town, academia in town, and then the companies tend to be on green, uh, you know, greenfield, um, out-of-town science parks. And so in Boston, you see a lot more integration where you have co-location, academics, pharma companies, biotech companies and support companies, you know, within the same building, within the same geography. I, I think that's a piece that, that, that Cambridge could probably look at and, and maybe learn from. Uh, again, I, I said um, when I started my biotech days uh, 20 years ago, our first facility was actually <clears throat> taking over the old what was uh, the, the Glaxo uh, Institute of Applied Pharmacology within the pharmacology department in Cambridge, uh, University of Cambridge. And we took over that floor as, as GSK backed out of that. And actually we had a great interaction as a startup between the academics in that building and us as a new fledgling biotech company. It allowed us to do a lot more than we could have done if we were remotely located. So I think that model, that will be good to sort of play back uh, into the real estate sector. Could that be embraced in, in, in Cambridge? I think the other thing you see, again, in other sectors, uh, other, other life science uh, uh, clusters, is this idea of the lab hotel, where even earlier than taking a set unit where you have maybe 1,000, 2,000, 4,000 square feet, you literally rent benching by the meter. So if you're a postdoc with an idea and you want to get some, some traction on it, you, know, you can't afford a long-term commitment to space. Maybe you want to rent some benching for, for, you know, for weeks or even months. I think that piece I haven't seen really take off in, in Cambridge. And I think that's a piece that, 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 that um, could really help the sector grow those very early uh, uh, acorns of ideas into, into small saplings. I think the challenge to the sector, if I can uh, just finish off uh, on this point, is it goes beyond real estate, though. I think um, transport uh, is definitely an issue in and around Cambridge um, and access to talent. You know, we know that the cost of housing uh, is high in the area. It drives the workforce to be further and further away. And then that plays back onto that challenge of transport. Mm. And, and Richard, you, you mentioned the work that you've been doing with your employees around what they're looking for out of the space. You know, some of the other things that Michael just referred to there around housing or accessibility, are they also some of the things that you're hearing from, from your colleagues in terms of what they're looking for um, or lo looking to be addressed as, as best as possible um, in a lot yeah, of these think, markets? Yeah, I think from, you know, from my side, like, I, you know, I echo Mike's sentiments around that. I think, you know, housing, 
in and around Cambridge is 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 a bit daft, you know, in terms of pricing. If you're trying to encourage, you know, first first out of university, you know, whether undergrads or or postgrads, then you know, it's going to be tough, and that that's a real issue we have, you know, especially you know we've seen it firsthand with some of the recruits in in my teams, and then yeah, transport you know, definitely needs to be addressed at some level, you know, whatever that is, some kind of unified strategy feels like the best way to do it about connecting all, you know, if you're going to push all the major work hubs out of the city centre, then your connections to those have to be much better and, you know, unified as well. Often it feels like some of these decisions are made uh, in separation and don't join up. I live to the north of Cambridge. You know, the guided busway is, is, is great for me to get into the centre of Cambridge. But if I want to get from the centre of Cambridge out to a science park, then, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm stuck, right? You know, I've got to think of uh, an, another form of transport to get out there or change twice and, you know, make sure the, the moon is in the right sector in that particular month. So uh, I think that th- there has to be a, uh, a more holistic view on some of these things that, that needs to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, sort of similar feedback, I think, that we we have from speaking to other like-minded companies. It's you can have the best building in the in the best location, as you said, Michael, location, location, location. But if you you need to be able to get people there, and when they are there, you need to be able to keep them there in terms of the type of space that you're delivering in the workplace environment. Um, perhaps to finish off, you know, in terms of the the future outlook of of the industry, um, Richard, I think from your perspective, do you you feel as if the Cambridge market is is just getting going? You said that you've been looking at it for a while. Do you feel like we're still um, it's got a very bright future ahead of it in terms of the nature of science and R and D and activity that could take place here? I, th- I think that's it. I think we're at a, almost at an injunction, right? I think. It's it's going to do something to set itself uh, apart, and if it doesn't address some of these key issues like the lab space requirements, and fair enough, I bumped into somebody who's also been working in the lab um, provision sector of Cambridge even longer than than I, and we still have the same moan every time we see each other that there's just not enough space, and I think with you know, bringing in Mike's idea around the, the lab hotel, which is really neat. We've seen little pockets of this, but not in Cambridge, but elsewhere in um, in, in East Anglia. I think if we want to uh, keep on attracting people here and growing ideas, then that's the only way we're going to do it. Otherwise, it'll become entirely virtual because you can hire, a, you know, an office easily uh, anywhere in Cambridge, right? There's lots of office space and, and, and you'll kind of move that, wet science to other areas of the world um, rather than, than, than foster it here. So I think that there's still some key things that need to be addressed. I think the idea of getting a, a plan in place for the next kind of five, ten years would be a really nice idea for Cambridge, especially as it's going through this massive growth phase anyway. You know, it feels like a missing component that needs to be factored in. Um, and it's easy to think about that uh, office space, harder uh, to think about the the laboratory space requirements for to, for for startups and beyond. Well, well, hopefully the space is coming. Certainly, we're talking to investors and providers of space that are are looking to address it. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned the global piece there, Richard and Michael. Clearly, um, 
the way that the business is structured at the moment and the fact that you do have premises out in the States, for you, this isn't just a, a Cambridge piece. It's a, it's a UK um, as a science superpower and how that interacts globally. How important is that link um, into the more into markets like the States for, for the growth of your business? And similar, similar question, how important is it to the growth of your, of your business moving forward? For us, putting a, a US site in place was, was a very strategic move. We really went into the US for a number of reasons. Firstly, you know, we had the ambition to float on NASDAQ. Uh, and actually to do that, if you don't have a US presence, it can be more complicated and more confusing for the investors. So firstly, it was to access that kind of uh, investment that we needed. But equally, we wanted to uh, access talent. Um, and we had some you know, amazing staff over in the US that's where we base our immune oncology work. And so accessing talent in a, in a second life science cluster, a larger cluster in and around Bo Boston, where there's a lot of pharma companies, that was, that was really critical for us to, to get uh, the science done appropriately and to attract the right people. So the US will continue to be a, a place where we'll, we'll invest and we'll, we'll do business. Um, you know, we have to reflect that in the UK, Currently, we only have really two major large pharma companies left, uh, AstraZeneca and GSK, whereas in the Boston uh, center, we have every large pharma company represented. And a large part of our business is also working with those pharma partners, uh, accessing their expertise, accessing their talent, but equally giving them access to our unique molecules. So that symbiosis that you have with large companies, it's much easier if you're in the same postcode or, or as they would say, zip code uh, as the companies you're doing business with. That's great. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for your time today. Uh, really appreciate it um, on behalf of myself and everyone listening. Um, I'm sure we'll speak soon. It's great to hear some of the insight um, from the both of you in terms of uh, an occupier that is being so successful in the Cambridge and the UK market. So thank you and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.